Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Blackwood Show. The Black, the Black, the Black, Black. A wise man once told me that great leaders build capital with their employees and then spend it right up to that limit. Welcome to the Blackwood Show. I'm Taylor Blackwood, and this is my show. I'm really excited. Today, we're going to talk for the first time out of our leadership series, which is uh, kind of a a subtext of the entrepreneurship side of this podcast. It's where I'm going to be talking about specific subjects uh, that pertain to leadership. And today, we're touching on one of my favorites. We're going to talk about building capital with your employees to spend it, you know, building up leadership points with your employees to spend it. This is something that one of my mentors taught me early in my career, and it really shifted my perspective on leadership, that leaders don't just do friendly things. They don't just, you know, when you're younger, you hear about, oh, he's such a great leader. He's so inspiring. I love him. Or, you know, they get adoration. You want to be a leader because you want to be that person that's admired and powerful and inspiring people. But this is one of those moments where I realized being a leader isn't always popular. And great leaders know that. Great leaders aren't necessarily getting the best report card on in terms of their personality or how nice they are, X, Y, Z. They're getting the best results from their people and from their organization. That's not mutually exclusive with being a nice guy. It's just that being a nice guy isn't the means to the end. It's not the primary function of being a great leader. The primary function is bringing out the best in people. It's about inspiring them. It's about making them a better version of themselves, which is not easy. Like most things that are worth doing in life, uh, it's not easy. And you do have to put effort into it. And there is a little bit of tension sometimes, right? Because it's uncomfortable for people to step out of their comfort zone and to get to a place where they're giving their best performance. They're giving their all. They're they're, they're being a better version of themselves than they could have led themselves to be on their own. That's what a great leader is, is they, they see more potential in people than people see in themselves. And the hard part, they bring it out of them. So building capital with your employees and then spending it is how you do that. So I'm going to talk today about how to build that capital in broad terms. I'm going to talk to you about why you build it. And I'm going to talk about how best to spend it. So let's start out with what is capital. I did pull this up on uh, Investopedia, so I'd have a good definition for you guys. Investopedia is something I really like. I should mention that real quick. It's a great website that, you know, you type in a capital into Google, you're going to get all sorts of definitions, like maybe the cap, you know, um, I don't know, just various definitions that aren't necessarily just investing or just business. You can go to Investopedia and and they have great resources and articles about business specific terms. So you're always going to get the business thing you're looking for. It's great for if you're looking up, you know, technical terms and Need a, need a refresher on anything accounting wise or, you know, investing uh, ratios and things like this, all that stuff's defined on there. So I pulled up capital. It's a term for financial assets such as funds held in deposit accounts and funds obtained from special financing sources used for, to fund a business. Now I'm, well, I guess I'm not, but the, the guy who taught me this, my mentor, reappropriated that term capital in this case to mean, you know, uh, uh, an asset that you're going to spend specifically with people. So this is an intangible asset. This is them giving you points as a leader so that you can have some command authority to get that better performance out of them. Like we spoke about to bring out the best in them, to make them a better version of themselves. So that's a, a definition of capital in general, but this is kind of a reappropriated version of it where we're going to talk about human capital and that's an important term too. You know, human capital can be anything that you do to invest in yourself and your skill set. And in this case, you know, it, it's rapport that you have with your employees, and then you're going to spend that. 
the very first act of building capital with someone is kind of pedantic and simple seeming on its face, but it's very, very important. It's hiring them. You know, that's the very first time that you're going to build capital with someone. And what do I mean by that? I mean, if you take a step back of you from the balcony and you say, you know, when I hire someone, what happens? Well, you become their quote unquote leader. You can become their boss. That has a certain amount of command authority built into it. You know, just the act of hiring someone means that you suddenly have capital to spend with them. You can say, show up to work at 9 a.m. and they're probably going to do it. If they don't do it, you may have hired the wrong person if they're late on their first day. <laughs> and that has happened to me. But nonetheless, you know, it's a, a it's a moment where just the act of hiring someone and engaging in the employer employee relationship does give you capital to spend with them. You become their leader, you become their quote unquote boss, and you do get to tell them what to do to some extent, right? Now, that helps to frame the rest of the conversation because that's a very, very basic thing. You know, hiring someone, making them an employee, yes, they'll listen to you. And yes, that is technically capital you can spend with them, but doing it well is the whole thing here, right? And and inspiring them on an ongoing basis after that is where you build real capital and can get real results. And that's the difference between terrible leaders, mediocre leaders, and great leaders is that they know how to do that at every stage of the process. Now, I start at hiring employees because I think this is an often overlooked and hugely important moment to build a ton of capital people out of the gate. And the reason for that is that I'm a big believer in first impressions. First impressions really matter, folks. First impressions are your moment to set the tone when it comes to what our relationship is going to be, set the tone about their excitement and engagement with an organization. And you have to really always put yourself into the shoes of the people that you lead. You know, you need to be empathetic to be an effective leader, in my opinion. I think at least the most effective leaders are empathetic. They're constantly thinking about their employee's point of view. They're constantly thinking about what inspires them, what motivates someone, what are their hot button issues, and how, how do you tap into that to get their best performance? Well, when someone's considering switching jobs or is on a job hunt, that's an incredibly big moment in their life. You know, they're only going to do it a couple times in their life, hopefully. You know, if you're having a successful career, you have long stints at each job. Uh, they're excited. This is a huge change for them. Maybe it's a scary change for them. It's an uncertain time. And during uncertain times, people in particular want strong leadership. So hiring someone is a huge opportunity to build capital with them initially to make that great first impression. Um, I like to really have a great tone about this. Everything from just the phone call to schedule the interview. I try to be upbeat. I try to always bring my A game, bring my energy to that moment because that is your first impression. What do they think of this company? What do they think of you? Especially if like in our company, we have a hiring process, right? Where our HR department uh, stirs up resumes. Oftentimes they actually do a phone screening. Then they go to a hiring manager in the field. Then if they, sometimes several hiring, hiring managers, it can be up to three interviews before they make it up to an interview with me, which is kind of be like a final interview even so, you know, you're still making a huge impression because everyone's told them, Hey, you're going to get to interview with one of the bosses. You're going to get to interview with an executive. You're going to interview with one of the owners of the business. That's an exciting moment for them. Not to sound conceited, but you should be aware of that if you own a business or if you're just a higher up in a company that you work in, just anytime that you're running an interview, by definition, you're a manager with hiring authority and decision. Don't underestimate how big a deal that is to the person on the other side of that phone. So make a big first impression, calm down for a second before you make that phone call, review their resume, make sure you know their name down pat is a basic thing. Don't get caught with your pants down going, hey man, or how you doing lady? <laughs> Good to hear from you, dude. No, you, you got to make sure you know their name. Side note, Bill Clinton was really renowned for this. He was pretty amazing at it. And don't underestimate how powerful it is to remember names just in life, but especially with the people that you lead. You should always know everyone's name when you walk into like one of your locations in a business, if you're a service business like ours or something like this, because that's a big deal to walk up, make eye contact, someone make a great first impression, but make, make, make a, a, a strong stance to them and remember their name. 
It seems like such a basic thing, but if you get that right, you'll impress people. You should practice this throughout life. I do it at my coffee shops. I try to get people's names who are regular, you know, if I'm a regular at a coffee shop, they're a regular employee there. Then I try to get their name at some point and I try to remember it because you walk up and you can just brighten someone's day just by remembering who they are. Bill Clinton, like I mentioned a moment ago, is really, really good at this. He was really renowned for it. He remembered everyone's name. I don't know how he did that as the United, you know, the president of the United States and uh, with a long career in politics before that. Side note, I don't exactly know what he did. Wasn't he a governor? I want to say was what he did before he went up to the office of the president. I think he, I think it was, I'm 95% sure it was in Arkansas. I'm pretty sure that's where he's from. He's a Southern boy, but I'm pretty sure that was his past path in politics. But nonetheless, with a career in politics, he still remembered all of these people's names. And apparently it was like amazing. There's one anecdotal story of a, a, a woman. She became you know a mom and married and, and has a young family and everything. So she's probably like in her thirties at this point. And Bill Clinton was running for president, I believe. And she had a crush on Bill Clinton when she was in like high school or college or something like this. And she'd invited him on like a formal, like to a dance or something. And she went to a rally later with her kid. You know, this is 10, 15 years, maybe more since she saw Bill last. And he's walking up, shaking hands on the way to the speech. He's about to give whatever. And he sees her locks eyes and goes, Mary, <laughs> how crazy is that? You know, that someone 15 years ago, it, Bill Clinton must've met I mean, how many people a day, right? Walk up and introduce themselves. So for him to remember a lot, even a good portion of their names is incredibly impressive. But that really stuck out to people. Imagine a powerful person like the president of the United States remembering who you are from a relatively small interaction. You surprise someone with that. That's a big deal. So bring it back home to this. Never call someone you're going to interview without knowing their name. <laughs> it seems like a basic thing, but make sure that you say it early and often. And it's a very personal feel. You know, it's very engaging and it's a good way to kind of get down those barriers. So remember people and certainly remember the people you're trying to onboard. But you're making a big first impression then. You know, everything from the tone you have with them to the excitement you bring to that interview process uh, is really, really important. And you really want to take that opportunity to get them excited about the company. The, the interview shouldn't be the sterile thing I hear sometimes where people are in a rush. They walk in, you know, what's so special about you? You know, go through the basic interview questions. What makes you a great leader? Why should I hire you instead of the other people? Blah, blah, blah. No, it should be more engaging that anyways. And I'm going to do a podcast in the future on how to interview and how to do it well. But it should be more engaging than that anyways. And certainly there should be a decent portion of the interview, especially near the end, that's just about hyping them about your business and your mission. And if you aren't excited about that, no one else is going to be excited. I mean, if you don't have five to 10 minutes in an interview to inspire a potential new hire about what's special to your company, even when I know I'm not going to hire someone, even when the interview has gone terrible uh, from their side and, and I know I'm not going to make an offer to this person, I still try to inspire them about the business because I'm excited. And you get better at telling your story the more often you do it. So make sure and inspire people in that first impression. That's when you're building a lot of capital with an employee for the first time. They're going to walk away from that with all these feel goods about your business and your mission and, and your culture and your business that you're building. And they're going to be an exponential factor in growing that rather than kind of that tepid new person who might put a damp on it, even for the people who train them and things, right? It's infectious when someone's excited. And this is a moment in people's life where they're naturally excited. So you should lend momentum to that. You should build that with people. And you're going to get a lot in return from them. If they come in excited about this new business, excited about this career change, as opposed to jaded or kind of begrudgingly going to their new job, you're going to get so much more capital to spend with them and to bring out the, their best performance. So first impressions, your first act of building capital with someone is, is hiring them. Do that well, interview them well, be engaged, be excited, you know, be a leader in that moment. Take some time and put yourself in their shoes and, and use that as an opportunity to get someone pumped on their new job, pumped on their new company. This is your baby. Make sure that they're as excited as you are to come join it and to come help you build it.
pay them well. That's a huge way of building capital with someone. Uh, that same mentor taught me this, you know, that you build capital with your employees to spend it right up to that limit. He also taught me the number one thing that an employer does is he pay he or she pays their people. Do not overlook this, okay? People are not at work solely for good feelings. And we're starting to get more and more towards third-party reasons that people pick a job, right? Like someone loves the mission of Google or loves the culture of, I was going to say Facebook or something like that, but I don't know what a good example is, right? They just love the culture of this business or they love the mission of it. Those things are becoming more important, but don't, don't get it twisted. They're still going to Google because they pay really, really, really well. Maybe interfacing with these other things like a cool headquarters or an awesome mission statement or the ability to voice your political opinion in, in these forums and things like this. But don't forget the number one reason that people go to work is to get paid. So pay them well. Don't be stingy. You know, it's my belief that you should be above market with all of your positions, slightly above market in base pay. And then I'm a huge believer wherever appropriate always incentivize people with you, always align their best interests with your best interests and create systems where when they're successful, you're successful and vice versa. Don't be cheap about this and never overlook it. You'd be surprised some of the basic roles in your company that you can incentivize uh, towards your best interest and towards your growth and try to keep it simple. Try to make sure that that extra bonus on top of a, a healthy base salary uh, is easy for them to understand, is reliable. Don't ever jerk it around. You know, if you're ever going to make a change to a bonus program, do it very, 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 very slowly. Don't, don't, I've heard so many employees come and go, oh, you know, that bonus was really promised to me and it was going to be great. And then they pulled the rug out from under me or I got it one time and they changed it. Terrible, terrible idea because you are spending so much capital. You know, you're spending so much of your goodwill with that person to change their comp, to dig into their pocket, to save some, to save some pennies for yourself. Be careful about how you set that bonus. Be sure it's sustainable for you and be very slow to change it. But pay people well. That's a huge way to build capital with them. It, it, it uh, washes away a lot of sins. <clears throat> Excuse me. You can make a lot of other mistakes as a leader, but if you're paying someone well, they're going to stick with you. Sorry, I got to grab some sips of coffee here. I'm, I'm kind of getting moving in the morning with my press coffee. One of the best coffee roasters, I think, in the country is uh, owned by one of my closest family friends here in town. I start every morning with a press coffee, a good cup of Joe. <laughs> anyways, I'm still drinking my coffee, so excuse me if I'm uh, off to the side there for a moment. But anyways, so great first impression, build capital by hire them well, by hiring them well and pay them well. Always pay your people, man. Don't forget that's your reason, you know, that's people's reason to engage with you, to engage with maybe the business you're starting or to engage with the company you represent. Whatever it is, if you're a leader, if you're a boss, if you're a manager, pay your people well. Go to bat for them with the people who have pay authority in the company. Make sure that they're the best paid in the industry because if you have the best people, they're going to logically want to be reported for that. And why wouldn't you want to have the best people? It's crazy to me that some people are proud of like underpaying people or being stingy with their employees or something. I really find that idiotic. It's one of the easiest ways to align people with your interest, to build capital with them so you can spend it later on being a great leader. And it's a great way to make sure that you uh, have the best team and are getting the best results. So just pay them well. On an ongoing basis, you should always be looking for opportunities <clears throat> to build more capital with people. What does that look like? You should be inspiring them. 
you know, if you have a chance to interact with someone, don't be lazy about it. Don't be rushed about it. Take your time. Every time you speak to someone, even if it's 60 seconds, make sure there's some little bit of inspiration in there that you're proud of something they accomplished that talk about some goal that's coming up in the business. Talk about some new initiative you guys have. Again, if you're not genuinely excited about this, it's gonna be really hard for you to fake it. So, you know, if you're a good entrepreneur and really just everyone in life should find something they're happy to be doing and passionate about that old corny, you know, do what you love. You never work a day in your life. That's really true because you'll take these extra little 60 seconds here and there to do some inspiration, to build some more capital with someone by recognizing something that they did, you know? So to, to say, boy, I really, I heard from, um, you know, Susan, that you really killed it on that project. Congratulations. Glad to, I'm glad to have you on the team. Those little bits of adoration, don't be scared to give up the love, in my opinion, especially in, in today's environment. You know, traditionally bosses try to be kind of hard-nosed and unapproachable or a lot of command authority or whatever. But I think especially in today's environment, it's important to be engaging. It's important to be inspiring. It's, and it's, it's important to be nice. You know, I said that weak leaders often confuse being loved with being a strong leader. And that is true, but they also aren't mutually exclusive, right? Being loved is not the, the, the important thing. Getting the best result from people is the important thing, but being loved helps in that, right? So why not be liked instead of feared or hated or despised or whatever? Um, two different kind, two different styles of uh, leadership there, you know, that you can be Jesus or you can be Hitler and you have to be fully committed to one. Can't be in between or you can't be, gosh, nightmare bosses flipping back and forth between being ultra nice and accommodating to suddenly really angry and people have no idea how to read them or what to do. Uh, but I really think in today's environment, you, you, you go the nice route, you know, you go the route of inspiring people, you go the route of nurturing people, and they're going to give that love back. It's kind of what's becoming expected by the collective of, of employees in the United States is that they want companies that inspire them, engage them, and don't mistreat them or aren't harsh with them, I guess. So being liked is not mutually exclusive to being a strong leader, but it's also not the only thing to do, right? But nonetheless, you can take those moments to inspire them, to recognize them, to say, boy, you know, you really knocked the ball out of the park. Or, you know what? I've heard great things about you, you know, Mandy. People are saying that you're great at inspiring people. Or, hey, Bill, you know, I really heard that um, uh, you helped out Joe the other day with that project and he was giving up the love in a meeting. I don't want you to know that he really has your back. Things like that really do, you know, bond employees to one another, but bond them to the company, you know, that when they do something well, they want to be recognized for it. Strong leaders know that people want strong leadership. You know, they do, they do seek this out, especially in, in stressful or fragile times. They want a strong leader to be at the top, telling them what to do, organizing and leading the ship, inspiring them, and, and admiring them, you know, giving them props to the things they do well. So don't miss a chance to inspire people. That's a great way to build capital on an ongoing basis. Incentivize. I won't beat the dead horse because I did kind of get incentivizing into the discussion about hiring people and paying them well, but you should, definitely should incentivize your people, right? Got to make sure you pay them well. Got to make sure that uh, performance plans and bonus plans are aligned with your best interest. Get as many people as appropriate on that. And what I mean is any chance that you have to bonus someone uh, within reason, you should take it. Uh, I've seen doctor's offices, for example, that bonus the scheduling staff, you know, based off of how many new patients come into the practice and basic things like this. And, you know, you'd be stunned. You can see the moment that he implemented that into his orthopedic practice. You can just see a huge spike in new patients because they were the gatekeepers. And when they went from just, you know, someone managing them and them answering phones dutifully to, boy, you can make a meaningful more amount of money if you help the practice grow, you'd be stunned. They really, really embraced that. And he got a better result and they got a better result. You know, some of them were buying new cars with their marginal increase in pay, maybe buying a different house and things like this. 
all because, you know, he, he did better. He did well by doing good. And I love that. So incentivize people, make sure that you're doing that. You're doing it well and you're paying your people well, engage them, engage them is huge. You can't be the absentee boss. You can't be phoning it in. You shouldn't miss opportunities to meet with people, especially once coronavirus lifts. This is a safer statement, but you should meet with people face to face whenever often or whenever possible. I should say you should do it often. That's a really important thing. Man, lots of people overlook that. It's really a shame, but you know, we're starting to phone it in more literally, you know, making phone calls to people, uh, skipping group meetings, especially because of coronavirus, like I said, but in general, this trend had already started where people were doing zoom or whatever as a substitute to having someone come out and meet you in person. Don't miss opportunities to have face-to-face interactions That is still the deepest way to build a bond with someone still the best way. And, uh, that's a huge thing. So engage people, you know, make sure that they know you're present, make sure they know you're paying attention. And that kind of goes to what I said a moment ago about, um, uh, recognizing people's accomplishments. That's engagement. You know, that's, that's being present in a way that you're monitoring the important things and you're involved, you know? Uh, so don't miss opportunities like that to engage people. You got to equip them for success. There's nothing more frustrating. And if you've ever felt this, you know, you go on a sales call or something like that and you don't have the material you need, or you don't have the equipment you need to build the widget in the factory, or you don't have the staff you need to run the store really, really well and to give a great customer experience. Whatever the thing is, if you aren't equipped for success, then you really, really uh, uh, despise that moment. You despise probably your job and your company if they haven't equipped you for success. So that's everything from training uh, to ongoing support to ongoing capital commitments to your people. You got to make sure they are equipped for success. You need to be ahead of the curve going in there and figuring out what your people need before they know to ask for it and getting it for them. It is a failure to merely recognize someone saying, I missed that sale because I didn't have a business card with the logo in the top, right? Whatever the thing is, right? That's, that's not a good example, but, but whatever the thing is that they felt like they needed in that, if you didn't anticipate that, if they had to raise their hand, you just bent, burnt a lot of capital with them. Whereas if they reach in their bag and they have that business card, with the logo in the top, right? And the guy goes, Oh good. A business card with the logo at the top, right? Here's the sale. Here's the PO. <laughs> Oh man, I need, as a side note, I need to work on my hypotheticals for this podcast. That is not a very good one. <laughs> Maybe the sip of coffee will help. Press coffee, ladies and gentlemen, a good cup of Joe in the morning. No, I don't know. Got to work on my promos too, right? Cause we're going to blow up and I'm going to have them <laughs> anyways. So equip your people for success, get them the coffee so that they can do better on their podcasts, but make sure that they, uh, are, are equipped for success. They have everything they need to be successful and that they're giving the love back to you for that. If you can anticipate it before it's a problem, you get extra kudos, you get extra brownie points. And then a system. Don't be, don't underestimate your personal involvement from time to time. Um, it can be something corny. You know, if you walk in and there's a piece of trash at the entrance to one of my clinics, I bend over and pick it up because I want my place to look great for my employees and for, and for our customers, for our clients in that case, for our patients. So, you know, it just little assists like that go a long way, helping someone reorganize a clinic in a way that helps. Um, and then to bigger things, right? So a big place that you can assist people is when they're doing something that's unpopular, when they're doing something that's not fun. And it's my least favorite part of being a leader, of being an entrepreneur, being a business owner is having to fire people. I never take any joy in it. I see it as a failure of the organization, either in who we selected, who we hired, how we manage them, or... Um, yeah, I mean, it just, there's, there's a failure somewhere that led to that person needing to be fired. Right. And as it is, I always take personal responsibility for it. Cause even if they were a complete jerk, you know, to, to put it lightly, even if they were, you know, a drug addict who can't show up on time and is yelling at your customers or 
you know, whatever else, right? And I have some crazy stories about some of these things that I'll share on this podcast, but, but even if they are just that objectively terrible hire, then how did they slip through your recruiting process? How'd they get into your organization? How'd they get in front of your customers? How'd they get in front of your people? You messed up. So it's always a failure when, when you have to fire someone. It's a little bit of a tangent, but nonetheless, I really believe it's true. I should do a podcast on just that subject. I will at some point. But anyways, um, you should assist people. And that's a huge opportunity. You know, when so, a manager has to fire an employee, especially if it's someone who's nice and just underperforming perpetually and just isn't ever going to come around, you have to let them go or a difficult moment like that. That's a great moment to step in and to earn a lot of capital with your people to either, you know, not necessarily uninvolve them. Cause if they're, you know, the, if it's one of their direct reports that's being fired or something, they should be in that conversation, but even just being on the phone, you know, if they're going to fire them in person or if they have to do over the phone, if it's a remote position, being on the phone with them, lead the conversation where appropriate, you know, so that they, it takes a lot of stress off of their mind. Just if you're even present, let alone if you're the one doing the actual talking. So in those fragile moments, again, be empathetic, identify the moments when people are fragile, whether that's something as simple as, you know, needing a little extra help with the project, helping them clean a business, little things like that, all the way up to the big things, having to fire a popular employee or something like that. Step in and assist them. That's a huge moment to build capital with your people. And then you get to spend it back and get a better performance from them and look for special opportunities to build capital. A great example of this is if someone's going on vacation, right? Or even better, let's say someone's just burning the midnight oil. They're working really, really hard for you, for you, getting a great result, doing some brilliant stuff. And you know, you look at him and say, "Boy, that person really needs a vacation." So you go up to him and say, "You should take a vacation." You know, that that's a that's a big moment of just ripping someone out of the grind and saying, you know, "Let's get you, let's get you some you time. Let's get you relaxed. Let's get you, you know, you earned it. Go take some time off." If that's all you do, I guess that builds some capital. I think that's a little weak personally, especially when it's appropriate, like your executive team, instead of by golly, you've really been working hard, go use some of your PTO. <laughs> you know, that's not a very strong moment. You know, there's literally been times before where I've seen an executive who's working really hard. You're starting to see the stress build, but they're key to your organization and they're killing it. They've earned it. Send them on the trip, buy them the plane ticket, book the hotel room. Don't be cheap about this. Um, you know, it's one thing to walk up to someone and to give them a gesture like that. It's another thing if you step in and make it happen in a way that they really adore. Um, you know, ex the executive team, this is really easy to do because you can spend more on your executive team appropriately. Like the compensation packages can be higher. So if you do a little special something for them, it kind of is built in on a percentage basis to your labor costs, but it can be really small. You know, it can be bringing someone their favorite meal at a business. It could be, um, letting someone go 30 minutes early to go pick up their kid from childcare during coronavirus or whatever, because this is a stressful time, put yourself in their shoes and look for special opportunities. Um, the executive team, there's a lot of fun ways to do it. I can share some stories from some of the leaders I know in my life who've done it in a really cool way. One of them went to bat. He was a, a fortune 500, uh, president of a division and he got a lot of scrutiny because he was giving his executive teams like his, his chief operating officer, his chief financial officer, his CFO, he's giving them really big gifts and things like this. It's like they had a Rolex if they had a certain accomplishment. They had uh, uh, cars, you know, they actually had like Mercedes or Porsches and things like this that he bought for them. He took a lot of heat from the, the board one time about, you know, why, is, why does so-and-so have a Mercedes on the business? This is so inappropriate, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, you know what, when I ask, when I ask so-and-so, when I ask Bill, to wake up and leave his family at 5.30 in the morning to make a 6.45 flight across the country to go work on our business. You know what he does? He puts on a suit I had tailor-made in the nicest clothier in this small town. He puts on a suit I had made, 
grabs a briefcase with his Mont Blanc pen from his first sales accomplishment, straps on the Rolex from the first time he earned the business a million dollars, presses the on button, you know, nowadays, I guess, twist to the key on his Mercedes and drives to the airport to go work on our business, you know, oftentimes while many other executives are still asleep. And, and that's, and that's a huge moment, you know, that that person, instead of, Oh, I hate my job. Oh, I hate leaving this, whatever. There's a small bright spot and pride that, Hey, look, I earned this suit. Hey, look, I earned that briefcase. Hey, look, I earned this car that I'm driving to the airport in. What a cool thing. I mean, just a small chance to make that, let's just be honest, that, that crappy moment a little bit better. That's a really big thing. So look for special opportunities, you know, where appropriate, you know, of course you can't give everyone a Mercedes. That would be great. You're not Oprah. You get a car, you get a car, but where appropriate, do some cool things. And like I said, it could be small. It could be, get them their favorite meal. Uh, do them a favor, cover the cash register form so they can go pick up their kid. Don't, don't miss chances to help people on whatever level that is. And you're doing all this so that you can spend capital and be a better leader with them. You're doing this so you can get a better performance. You know, when someone um, doesn't want to improve their team, right? That's a hugely unpopular thing for a lot of people telling them, hey, you know, uh, Joe over there, he's an underperformer. You've tried to coach him. He's not meeting these metrics. He's objectively failing in this, in this role. You have to change Joe. You got to change him. Maybe he likes Joe. Maybe he just hates firing people. Maybe he feels personally responsible for Joe's outcome. That's a hugely unpopular thing, but it can be really necessary for business, particularly in service businesses like mine. You have to have strong, a strong team. No one can be a weak link. And sometimes you have to demand that change of people. And that's a, an opportunity or an example where you might have to spend some capital with someone. You might have to take some of these, you know, you built up some uh, capital with them by doing a great job of onboarding them, getting them into the company, inspiring them, recognizing when his team did great. Now you got to spend some of it. Now you got to go to them and say, hey, you got to change show. That's a really unpopular thing for a lot of people. And that's where you spend all this capital I spoke about. So don't just build a bunch of capital. Don't do all these things that I just told you to do and then sit on it like a pile of gold. Great leaders know how to get the best results from people, how to spend that capital to make them a better version of themselves. And it's totally different employee by employee that you lead. You know, some people might need a little kick in the rear, like that example I just gave to improve their team. They might be a little bit soft on um, changing out key personnel or something like that. That's a great opportunity to spend capital. Some people are, are a little bit jerks, you know, <laughs> like maybe, maybe someone's a strong performer, but they're a little too demanding. They're a little too bossy or something. Spend some capital, tell them to calm down, teaching them how to be a little softer handed or whatever, right? Each person is different with what they need. A great leader can recognize different personality types and what each of those people need to get their best outcome, to be the best version of themselves, to be the best asset that they can be to your business and to help you grow with your goals and your culture. We'll do podcasts about that in the future for sure, how to identify personality types and things. But that's what all this is about. You're building this capital so that you can spend it with your people, so that you can make them better versions of themselves and so you can get a better result in your business. So why would you spend capital to get performance, to coach them, uh, to shoot down a bad idea? This is an interesting one, you know, that if you go and get an opinion from your business and someone raises their hand and says, boy, you know, we should relabel, you know, every single logo, logo in the whole business with, um, I don't know, we should plaster over it and be a logoless business, let's say. You know, I watched the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode where they took down the sign on their bar to be hipster and it works. So we should take every logo off the business nationally. You shouldn't have any logos on your medical practices. Just something absurd like that, right? You gotta spend a little capital to shoot down bad ideas to get people back on track, right? And uh, to make sure that if someone has a pet project that you don't want them focused on, even if it's a good idea is the difficult part sometimes, or someone comes to you and says, hey, we should really do this initiative, but their highest purpose is doing 
your agenda. You know, you have something different you want them focused on for those 15 hours this week or whatever. Shooting down their idea is a, is a place where you might have to spend some capital. And that's another example where it's useful to have some to get more effort. Even strong people have moments where they kind of wane in their performance at work, sometimes because of something personal going on in their life and it's episodic. Sometimes they get burnout or stuck in a rut. Sometimes, you know, people just need a little kick in the rear. You know, they get sick of something repetitive or they didn't get that promotion as quickly as they thought or whatever. They start to get a little stale. Sometimes a a kick in the rear gets them back on a great track and they can recover and be an awesome employee. You do want people who are self-directed, but everyone's human. Everyone has those fragile moments and maybe you need to get a little more effort from someone. So that's a great place to need to spend capital to push them from their comfort zone. That's a big thing. That's, and that's really where you're constantly spending capital. To be honest, that's the point of this exercise is that you're pushing people to be a better version of themselves than they would choose to be on their own. That's leadership, ladies and gentlemen. That's what leaders do. They have a bigger vision for people than they could have for themselves and they lead them to that outcome. To me, that like distills what a leader is. Uh, and so pushing people out of their comfort zone is how you accomplish this. You know, it's pushing someone uh, to inspire their team a little more. It's pushing someone to be a little bit more creative about that design. It's pushing someone to, to go and nurture their people along just a little bit further. It's pushing someone to go make that extra sales call and, and to close that deal. It's pushing someone to be a better version than they thought they could be themselves. And that's what leaders do in business. That's what leaders do. And that's where you spend capital. That's, that's why this is so important. Build as much capital as you possibly can and then check it all <laughs> build, you know, if you build up a hundred capital points, spend every single one of your, with your people back down to one capital point and start rebuilding again. Right. That that's, that's what you do is you're building as much capital as you possibly can and then spending it all in ways that get the best performance, that get the best outcome from them. It's important not to overdraft your balance. If you spend too much capital, then someone will quit you. Someone will find that new role. Someone will stop engaging with your goal. And that's kind of that balance that if you push people too hard, if you try to change six things about them at once and get them to change their team and get them to make three more sales calls and you do it all on Monday morning, then they're going to be overwhelmed and you're not going to get any of those things done. So pick and choose and spend your capital wisely. Don't overdraft your balance. Don't spend too much capital, but spend it all and be wise about that. That's the burden of being in the leadership is striking that balance with each individual you're responsible for leading and bringing them to be the best version of themselves. So build and spend capital. Be careful not to spend it recklessly. You know, it's common sense for a lot of people, but man, you know, you get so busy, you get engaged in the business. People are human. You're really, you know, oftentimes us entrepreneurs are very passionate about what we're doing. You know, we're really engaged. We want to see great outcomes. We're really excited. And when people just aren't engaged or whatever, especially it can be very frustrating. It's really important not to spend your capital recklessly in those moments. So gosh, the worst way you can spend it is getting angry. And we've all been there, right? Where you snap and you regret it. Uh, you use a tone you didn't mean to. I mean, I certainly have done this in my career and I'm not proud of it. Those are the moments that like when I think back on my career and mistakes I made, those make me cringe the hardest when I was too harsh or too mean or something like this. Don't yell at people. I haven't really, I guess I don't really yell, but I, there's times that my tone has shifted, you know, aggressively or whatever. And it's out of character for me. And, um, it's a terrible way to spend capital with people, especially if you ever find yourself in a position where you need to go apologize for something you said or something. Boy, that really weakens your stance as someone's leader. Be really, really careful not to. I've done that. Okay. I've had to go and say, boy, that was not the tone I meant to have with you. It didn't communicate the respect I have for you. And I'm sorry. I've had to do that before. Um, 
and I earned it, you know, I was, I was a jerk and uh, responded too strongly or something like this. Uh, don't put yourself in that position. That's just weakness. You know, that's, you know, people see on television, you know, the, the feared boss that everyone's sitting around waiting to walk in the room and they all stand and sit silently when he finally does, or he or she finally does. And, you know, he or she intimidates everyone sitting at the top of the board table and yells at someone for underperforming and moves on, you know, like I, I just don't, I mean, at least for me personally, I don't identify with that leadership style. So be careful about yelling, be careful about snapping, be careful about being aggressive, be careful about giving useless tasks to people. You know, if you give someone an assignment and, or even gosh, an assignment with a difficult deadline, don't have your people working outside of normal work hours. You have screwed up so bad. If you, if you're doing that, the job should always be accomplished during normal working hours. I remember one time, uh, I heard from a leader and, and he was walking into his headquarters. It was like six o'clock in the morning. He would always show up early. You know, he's that type of uh, leader putting in the hours, working hard, really dedicated. So he's walking in, say it's like a, a Thursday morning or something like this. And he's walking in at 6 a.m. and out is walking one of their newest hires. You know, a 22 year old, fresh faced, ambitious. He had done the interview. He'd met the kid before. Kid, you know, 22 year old man, young man. He'd met the young man before. He's walking out disheveled. His tie is down. His hair is kind of in a mess. He obviously hasn't shaved. Uh, you know, he, he's, he's gripping a, uh, one last cup of coffee and he walks out and smiles at the leader because, you know, he just got recognized by the boss. He's leaving the headquarters when his boss is coming in, kind of that dream of getting caught working hard, right? And he's well-intentioned and doing everything right. That boss told me that he called in, uh, you know, he's the CEO of the business. He called in that employee's manager and almost fired him that morning. You know, he said, how close are we to being out of control that we need, you know, poor young Steve pulling an all nighter for us to get projects done? Why are you managing your team this way? Why are we so close to the brink that requires that kid to pull an 18 hour shift in order for us to be successful? So don't do things like that. Don't assign useless tasks. Don't overwork your people. That's where you're spending capital recklessly. That's where you've done all these things right. You've built your capital. You hired them well. You paid them well. You inspired them. You recognized them when they did good things. You did everything that I told you to on this podcast to build capital. And then you spent it having them work in the headquarters till six in the morning. That just drained your account. Maybe it went negative. I mean, how, how many times will people do that? You know, be careful not to spend your capital recklessly. Have good work-life balance for your people and make sure you aren't giving them useless tasks. Making sure you aren't yelling at them. <laughs> Come on now, right? Like that's, that's not the way to lead people. You don't want to be intimidating. You don't want to be a nightmare within reason. Now you do have to bring uh, a crisis to calm sometimes. Sometimes people do need a little kick in the rear. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is being rude. There's never, there's never room for being rude in business and that's a terrible way to spend your capital especially when you've worked so hard to, to build it. So be careful about how you spend your capital is kind of the final point of this podcast. You know, we, we outlined how to build it. We outlined why you might spend it wisely. Don't spend it recklessly. And, and that's being a leader. So again, build capital with your people, you know, spend time inspiring them, spend time building that capital so that you can spend it to get the best result from people. That's really what leaders do. They inspire people to be the best versions of themselves. They inspire them to be better. Now, seriously, they do inspire people to be a better version than they would have had, you know, better, they have a bigger vision for their people than those people would have had for themselves. And that's what leaders do. So I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. It's the first in what I'm going to call like a leadership series. Um, again, I'm kind of playing with the format for these podcasts and figuring out how I'm going to do them. This kind of falls under the entrepreneurship side of things and something I got actually got listener feedback saying, Hey, you know, what we really want to hear from you is about how to be an entrepreneur, how to lead people, how to inspire them. 
So I'm gonna do a lot of podcasts on this subject if you guys agree. Again, I'd love to get y'all's feedback. The Blackwood Show at gmail.com. That's the Blackwood Show at gmail.com. You can submit feedback, listener questions, whatever you want, and I will talk about it on the podcast. I promise. I really want to be engaging with fans. This is what I want. You know, I want people, I want to, I want to help some people with this knowledge and I want to know how I can better at it. Uh, so if you guys will tell me, I'll take a lot of my guesswork out. But again, thanks for joining me. I know there's lots of ways to entertain yourself out there, not the least of which are great podcasts. Hopefully I'll be one of those one day. So thank you for taking the time to listen to little old me and I will see y'all soon.